Um, I would really, we're going to read through chapter 8 together to start the service today, and I would love for all of us to join in doing that. So if you don't have your Bible with you, if it's not on an app, um, then we would love for you to grab a pew Bible in front of you. It's on page 10,005. Not 10,000, 1,005. My goodness, that would be a lot longer. 1,005. So grab your Bibles and open them up to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Before we read the text this morning, um, there's a great truth that my wife has been kind of reading in a book um, and reminded me of this week. Do you know why the Word of God is so important to us and why we study it so much? Anybody? It's the truth. It's a roadmap to life. God speaks to us in it. This is how we're in relationship with God. If we study the Word of God for something other than to understand how to be in relationship with God, we miss the point. You see, this is not to be worshiped, God is to be worshiped. This points us in how to be in relationship and walk with God and have God rule and reign over our hearts. That's why it's so important and significant to us. But this is not the object of our worship. And so I wanted you to sit down this morning and to be in the Word and to read the Word along with me this morning with the heart and the desire that God would just get a hold of you this morning and draw you into deeper relationship with him. Join with me in reading in Hebrews chapter 1, starting, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Now the point, and what we are saying is this, we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old. As the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it reveals to us who you are. It invokes worship. It invokes praise, adoration. It invokes repentance and our brokenness before you. Lord God, may we grow in our faith in you today and our love for you today. May you reign and rule over more of our lives this day. In Jesus' name we pray, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Any of y'all have an experience that you've had in this life that um, is like an ultimate experience, maybe like an ultimate vacation that you compare all other vacations to? Anybody? All right, for the guys in the room, how about a car that you've compared all other cars to? Really? Nobody, like, see, for me, it was an, there we go, Michael, thank you. I was an 86 Pontiac Fiero GT five-speed with a V6 in it. It was so much fun to drive, okay? Took it through the Salt River Canyon and whipped around those little corners. You know, car broke, you didn't want to work on it, but it was so much fun when it was running well. Just a blast car, right? I've never owned another fun car like that. Like, when we compare cars now, it's like, well, this is a good car, this is a reliable car, but it's no Pontiac Fiero, okay? And, and you're like, really? If you're, hey, that was my car, okay? Or maybe it was a Christmas time. Maybe there was a great Christmas event for me. Like there was this time when we traveled around looking for a Christmas tree. And you got to understand, when I was a kid on the farm, my dad ran the farm. He worked nights welding, and he also had his own auto body shop. And mom worked a ton as a nurse, providing for us, sending us to Christian school. And so they worked a ton. But during Christmas time, things stopped. And I remember this time we were on the search for the perfect Christmas tree. About three, four hours, we just drove around. I mean, we drove a lot of miles. I remember the red and white Ford truck that we had. And we were out driving all over the place. And then on the way back, there was a neighbor's shelter belt that, that we're looking up. And at the top of this tree, it had to have been 30 foot in the air. At the top of this tree was the perfect Christmas tree. And so my dad climbs with a chainsaw, climbs up to the top of this tree and fells the, off the top of this tree, the perfect Christmas tree for a house. I mean, great, just you know, fantastic. I don't think I'll ever, because that was a Clark Griswold Christmas before Clark Griswold even existed. My dad was out doing that with us. And it was just such a, it was such a great memory. I mean, I, we've, we've had some good memories as a family going out and Christmas trees, but I don't know if we'll ever top that one. That was just a great memory. We just kind of compare it to when I think about getting Christmas trees to that moment. Y'all, any of y'all have the moments like that? You just compare things to it. We come to a passage of scripture here 
where the old again is being compared to the new. And we have things in our minds, moments in our lives where we compare things to, but I guarantee you, none of us in this room have this great of comparison, this superlative, this perfect thing that we're going to compare to today. And we should rejoice in our hearts when we hear these comparisons about the true tabernacle, about this better covenant that we're going to talk, talk about today. That the things that we experience in this world fade, fail to be compared to what is taking place in the, in the heavenly places at this moment. So we see this morning in verses 1 through 6 that Jesus is the priest of the better tabernacle. Got a phone call from my wife on Friday morning. And she said, hey, um, I don't know if you've heard, but Brian Harris is, is with the Lord. And so I immediately picked up the phone and called Don and checked in on Don. And then it hit me that we're, we're preaching out of this passage today. And I think God is such a wonderful, gracious, and glorious God that he has timed all this out, that we are in this, this particular passage this Sunday as our hearts mourn the loss of a brother in Christ. That, that right now, as our hearts ache because we miss him, we're going to talk about where he's at. Amen. Because when we talk about that Jesus is the priest over a better tabernacle, the better tabernacle is in the heavenly places. Brian is there this morning worshiping in the better tabernacle. And, and I, I can't wait to talk with you about this. It is, it is a place, as we look here in this text, where the better work is taking place. It says here in chapter 8, verse 1, that, that Jesus is seated. You got to understand, in the old tabernacle, there was no place of seating and resting within the temple. The only seat would have been in the Holy of Holies and it would have been the Bema seat. It would have been the place where God himself would have come to, to rest upon. The Shekinah glory of God would have rested upon. But no man ever was to sit upon that seat. There was no place of rest within the temple. It was a place of continual activity. So when it says that Jesus is the priest over a better tabernacle here, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And this is very significant for us because there is no more busy work to be done within the temple because the greatest sacrifice has been made. Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, last week we read about him, innocent, blameless, without spot, without blemish. Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect priest who made that sacrifice on our behalf, that work has been accomplished. He got up and he walked out of the grave. So now he sits. He is the better priest and the better tabernacle because there's not this commotion within the temple. There is not the slaughtering of animals. There is not the table of showbread. There's not the candlelight that needs to be continually lit, which burns out oil that needs to be refilled. There's not the table of showbread that the bread needs to be replaced. There's not these different elements within the temple anymore because Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things. And he sits 
Because the work is accomplished. Why is this significant to you and me? Because we can speak of Brian being in heaven, of Alan being in heaven, of Bill being in heaven, of Reuben being in heaven, of Marshall being in heaven with such confidence and such surety because he sits. Because he's seated. The work is accomplished. Salvation is guaranteed for those who are in Christ Jesus. The work is done. We don't ever want to replace the tabernacle because there's the true tabernacle that someday we'll all be present in with Jesus. He says it is a much better work that is being accomplished. It's also a better worship. I got (laughs) to turn over to Revelation. Listen to Revelation 4. And after this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, and one seated on the throne. And he sat there, had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, and rumblings and peals of thunder before the throne were burning seven torches of fire which are the seven spirits of God and before the throne there as it were a sea of glass like crystal and around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind the first living creature like a lion and the second living creature like an ox and the third living creature with the face of a man and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will existed. They existed and were created. The scene in heaven of worship taking place before the throne of God. Worship took place within the temple too. Mankind brought in sacrifices. They acted in obedience according to the ceremonial law that is found in the Old Testament. But these were just but a shadow of what worship was to take place and look like. In heaven right now, Saints, my sister, my grandma, 
bowing down before the throne of God, worshiping and praising his name without pain, without sorrow, without sin, without the effects of sin. Praising and worshiping and glorifying the true God and the true tabernacle. And they're praising and they're worshiping him because he is holy. He has been the perfect sacrifice of God and he rose from the grave and he sits in the salvation work of God is complete and they're worshiping God for what he has done. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It is a beautiful scene taking place right now and we can't even begin to fathom it because we're here. Because we're too busy grumbling and complaining about weather changes. Instead of glorifying the God who just made them. Because he said, now it's the time for a little bit of snow. And so we should go praise God. Because he's given us what we need. He is the God who is holy and is just. And we see perfect worship. There is a better worship that is taking place within the heavenly tabernacle than that ever took place in any earthly tabernacle ever and there's a better ministry that is taking place turning back to Hebrews chapter 8 but as it is Christ has attained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better since he is enacted on better promises. What is the ministry that Jesus is currently doing? We've talked about it a lot, that a priest is this person that intercedes between man and God. And now Christ, but the problem with the old priests is the old priests would die and they'd need to be replaced. The problem with the old priests is that they would have to offer sacrifices for sins because they were a bunch of sorry sinners themselves. But here is this priest who never has to offer a sacrifice on behalf of himself. He was able to become the sacrifice. Here's a priest whose line will never end, whose reign will never end. He is a priest forever. And his forever priesthood, and I love that in Revelations, how many times did it say forever and ever, forever and ever, forever and ever. This isn't going to end. And I think that's hard for us to comprehend because everything we know in this world has an expiration date. But there's a thing that does not have an expiration date, and that is the priestly reign of Jesus Christ in heaven for us. Why is this a better ministry? Because this ministry means that our sins are forgiven and that we're under the blood. And that guess what? As our sins come up before the throne of the God, before the throne of God, Jesus turns to the Father and says, under the blood. And the Father no longer looks at us as a broken and, and a disgusting people full of sin, but rather through the blood, through the lens of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. He is the better priest. This is the temple 
the true temple of God. This is the true tabernacle of what is taking place in heaven on our behalf. And I hope that brings you encouragement this morning, especially think about the loss of loved ones, especially think about our own struggles to live for God. There is a God, that our God in heaven, Jesus Christ, who never takes a day off and who continues to intercede on our behalf. And we have such, we can have such confidence in our faith. Well, the text tells us there in verse 6 and also in continuing in verse 7 that Jesus mediates a better covenant. And there's some great questions that come along the lines with this. So does that mean that the Ten Commandments are invalid? Since Jesus has introduced a better covenant, since we read in verse 13 with, that there's this idea of things are becoming obsolete and fading away. And so I need to give you a little bit of understanding in regards to what is being spoken of here. There are different aspects to the Old Covenant. There's the ceremonial law, which would have given you all the information about marriage. It would have been giving you all the information regarding um, what takes place in the temple. The, ta- the temple rites would also give you information about those, those cities, the cities of refuge that people could have fled to. There was all the ceremonial life lesson stuff that is taking place that was given specifically to the people of Israel and this instruction. This is what is being set aside. The foundation of the law, the Ten Commandments, are not being set aside. In fact, you can see that as those commands are again repeated in the New Testament. And underneath the New Covenant law, and the only one arguably may be the Sabbath day. And that was this day, but rather God wants us to enter into his rest as already spoken of in Hebrews. as something that is not just a day, but it's just a way we live now. That we may be a people of God's rest and the way we live our lives, being anxious for nothing. He mediates this better covenant. And I think it's wonderful that my dear friend and sister Stephanie read from Ezekiel today, speaking of which foretold the telling of this better covenant that is found in 7 through 13. First off, we see that there's a need for a better covenant. The old covenant that was given was never ever meant to be the end all be all. It was never meant to be the satisfaction of sin. Rather, it was always to point to something greater. But the Israelite people, and I want you to understand this, God never gave the Israelite people the ceremonial law, the law, so that they could worship it. The law was given so that they could demonstrate their faith in God by obedience in God. You see, faith in God, salvation in God has always been the same. The minute sin entered the world, okay, salvation has been the same. So I've heard some people say, well, the salvation in the New Testament is different than salvation in the Old Testament. No, er, wrong answer. We have different perspectives. In the New Old Testament, they were looking forward to the Savior. We look back to the Savior. But it's always been faith alone in God that saved. Their obedience to the ceremonial law, their obedience to the law was supposed to come from a place of brokenness, recognizing that they were in desperate need of God, that they believed in God, and therefore they acted out this life, its obedience in God because of their faith in God. 
But the problem with the Israelite people is a problem that we continue to have today is that instead of saying, well, I need to have faith and dependence in God in order to obey God, they did away with God and said, I can attempt to live this religion, this ritual on my own apart from God. And they made ritual and religion God in place of the one true God. Ultimately, that's what they're guilty. And so, as they stand guilty in in light of doing this, God has said, you have violated the covenant. You have failed to be obedient to the covenant because the covenant was always supposed to begin with relationship in me and obedience because of your relationship in me. And so they violated the covenant. Now I want you to understand something. We're going to dive a little deep into some theology this morning. And we can arm wrestle over this later a little bit if you disagree with me. The Abrahamic covenant is what I believe is called an unconditional covenant. That covenant was completely built upon the promise of God. God himself walked through the animals that were cut in half and covenanted himself to Abraham to bless Abraham that he would be a father of many nations and God made that promise to Abraham. God committed himself to that. The Mosaic covenant is not an unconditional covenant. It is a conditional covenant based upon the obedience of the the Israelite people. So when the Israelite people violated the covenant, God would punish them. Now, he would provide opportunity to restore them, and he would punish them when they violated again, but punish them. It is a conditional covenant based upon their obedience. Well, we come to the New Testament, and we've got this better covenant. And I'm going to say something that might freak you out for a second. This too is a conditional covenant. Now wait a minute. The difference is the person who mediates the covenant. Who mediated the old covenant? Priests. Fallen, sinful priests. Imperfect men. Who mediates this covenant? The perfect Jesus Christ. So while it is a conditional covenant, it feels like an unconditional covenant because Christ is the mediator of this covenant. And then you're like, man, my head hurts a little bit. What does this mean to me? I'll tell you what it means to me. It's because of the work, person, and work of Jesus Christ and the power that he exhibited through his life, death, and resurrection, his work is guaranteed. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, we are secure because he is the mediator of this covenant means that you're his and you will be his it means that when you run away he will bring you back and he will rescue you because you're his give you a story that was told me this couple weeks ago so Louis Von Prague, if you don't know Louis, he's a great guy, a lot of fun. He, he is the show, one of the shop teachers at Chelan, in Chelan High School, and he is growing in the Lord by leaps and bounds. He's doing a, direct, a master's degree in apologetics right now, and he shared with me a story. Louis originally from Australia. You ever want to hear his accent? It's fantastic. Um, Louis and Alicia decided that they were going to sail while they were still living in Australia from, from Seattle to Australia. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not a sailor. To me, that's like huge courage, huge, massive courage. Like to get in a boat, go across the seas, crazy. I can't even fathom that. 
And I'm like, tell me about this journey. He goes, well, it was a great journey. He begins to tell me the details. He goes, but the most terrifying part of the journey came at the end. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, we had to abandon ship. We were about two, 300 miles off the coast of Australia. We had abandoned ship. The mast had broke off. They couldn't repair it. And so he did not want to, but he had to. So abandoning ships mean you have to literally leave your vessel, get on your little life raft, and, and wait for help to come. Well, help came, but help came in the midst of this storm. And the waves were rolling, and this ship was, the deck of this ship was way up here, and their little life raft was way down here. And it would rock, and the raft would go way up here, and the ship would go way down here. And so what they did is these guys threw them a line. They threw them a line and said, okay, when it times out perfectly, we're going to pull you right onto the deck of this ship. Now, I don't know about you, there's a lot of different ways this goes wrong, right? And they end up in the ocean and not on the deck of the ship. Louis said the most terrifying part of his journey was the rescue. You see, that's the beauty about having a high priest who sits at the right hand of the throne of God is that he will rescue you. He will deliver you out of your sin and your brokenness and it may be terrifying. But you're secure in him. And that's the beauty about being a child of God. It's a beauty about being underneath this better covenant because the better priest is mediating it. The better covenant is written on a better tablet. Now, up until about 10 years ago, most people wouldn't be thinking electronic device, but may be a better set of book. The law was written on these stone tablets and then eventually written on papyrus paper and rolled up in scrolls. This law is written upon our hearts. And this is possible. And we see that the better covenant was inaugurated on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down and the Holy Spirit indwelt the believer. And all of a sudden the law became written upon our hearts. And, and I want to talk about something that as we talk about this new covenant being inaugurated and we're underneath it, we have this partly realization of it and someday a full realization of it. Right now, the law is written upon our hearts and the Holy Spirit indwells us and we struggle to have surrender in all of our lives. We struggle to be fully obedient to God. We struggle to daily surrender ourselves and, and, and how we live out our lives for God. We struggle to understand that the way we drive, that the way we interact with the bank teller, the way we go grocery shopping, that the way we interact with our wives, our kids, that the way we play football, volleyball, the way we do sports, the way we do young life, the way we do all of it should be different because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We struggle to live that out. Now, someday, when we're in heaven with God in the true tabernacle, we'll have this full realization of the Holy Spirit completely having control over us. And I'll argue with you, have full free will at that time. Because to me, free will is choosing God every single time. Because I don't know about you, I'm really sick of struggling with that. 
But right now, we see this partially realized that the Spirit indwells us, leading us to live this way. We also see that there's a better identity. There's no longer just a national identity in which, again, God didn't intend it to be a national identity. God always intended it to be people of God. And that people were supposed to come to Israel and discover God. But again, the Israelites made it about, well, we're Jews. We're the chosen people of God. We're better than everybody else. And they missed their calling to be a missional people. We see this partly realized in Galatians 3.26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. We struggle to live that identity out. We still struggle with putting identities of being parents, fathers, mothers. We still struggle with the identity of, of our occupation, of our jobs, being who we are. When our identity is supposed to be child of the Almighty God. That is our primary identity. We struggle to live that out. We keep putting other things, other idols up there and living for those things and be identified with those things rather than being identified as the child of God. But someday, when we're in heaven with God, that will be the only identity we care about. Do you, do you hear the praise in Revelations 4? Is there any other thing on their mind other than the holiness, majesty, and might of God? No. His majesty, his might alone. The next thing we see is that there's a greater audience. It's not just to a certain nation of people, but it's to all peoples. Everyone will know God. Now, this is interesting in this passage, as that we still see, like, how is this being realized today? We still know there are pockets of people in this world that don't know God. Well, I believe as we go back to Hebrews chapter 1, we understand the fulfillment of this promise that Jesus Christ is the full representation of God. He's the full revelation of God. He puts God on display to all mankind. And so that people can begin to understand. And it will, this idea of everyone, it's like every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will cry out to God. We see this partially realized now, but we'll see it fully realized the day in which Christ comes to establish his kingdom forever. When the Bible tells us, in Romans 14, 11, Philippians 2, 10, and 11, Isaiah 45, 23, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow. And finally, underneath this new covenant, there's a greater forgiveness. They kept having to offer sacrifices over and over and over again underneath the old covenant. Every year they'd come back and offer sacrifices. But in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness is complete. Amen. Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with being a forgiven people. And I think one of the greatest areas that we struggle with with being a forgiven people is extending forgiveness. Matthew 6 makes it very clear that because we have been forgiven of much, we are to forgive much. 
We struggle to live as a forgiven people, holding seeds of bitterness, anger in our hearts. We feel like if somehow we forgive people that, that we've lost an ability to control a situation. When Jesus says, I want to control that situation. I want to bring complete healing to your heart. I want to bring complete forgiveness to your life. Let me have your heart. When we don't forgive, that's exactly what we're doing. We're stiff-arming God, holding our heart back here. God wants complete forgiveness because we have been fully forgiven. Someday, we won't struggle with that anymore. And I'm, forgiveness is a journey there are days that I'm like, yeah, I, I've forgiven that person and I feel really good about it. And other days I'm like, Lord, I need your help forgiving them again. And we're going to need the power and the strength of God to do it. But someday when we're before the throne of God in heaven, that will no longer be a struggle. We'll have let those things go perfectly as we worship God with full, open hearts. The better covenant means all that is possible. The better covenant means that that's what we have to look forward to and live for. It matters. That's why in Colossians chapter 3, Starting in verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. Because we have a better tabernacle that is in heaven taking place right now, and a better priest in that tabernacle, because we have a better covenant, we can set our minds on those things to come and live in light of things to come. That we live underneath this covenant that means we are forgiven, we're free. We have this identity in Jesus Christ. We have this freedom from sin, the law of sin and death. We are free now. And the Bible, the new covenant is saying like, worship the law again. No, you're saying you are free your love for Jesus Christ because your faith in Jesus Christ. May you live in light of the eternal things, the things to come. Live free. Live free. Live underneath the promises of God for the, the covenant, this covenant is better because the promises are better because the priest is better because the tabernacle is better. Do you hear Hebrews yet? It's better. And he's saying, live in light of the better. This isn't home, brothers and sisters. This isn't home. Live in light of the better. And I know for our younger people in this room, it's super hard because you're being told, <coughs> you're being told that this world is it. You're being told that maybe 15 years from now, if global warming doesn't change, the world's not even gonna exist. This is it. Wrong. This is just the warm up. Heaven is better. And your, your friends and your peers need to hear that. And I know it's a hard conversation and they need to know that as you live your lives. And parents, parents, let me plead with you. 
Our kids are God's. Don't worship your kids. I got to live that Friday night. First quarter, there's a kid down on the field. And we're looking for 77, and there's no 77. He's on the field down. And I see him get up, and his foot is just doing this thing. And I was like, am I worshiping God, or am I going to worship football in this moment? Like, God, you love this kid, and if he's coming off the field with a broken leg, then it's for his good and your glory. That was really hard to live in that I believe I grabbed Christy's arm. She's like, you're, you're hurting me. Like, like, I was freaking out inside. And more places in my heart were identified where I've got to surrender to God. We can't worship our kids. Bad things are going to happen to your kids. But God is in control. He is the mediator of this better covenant. He has them. Parents and grandparents... Be ministers of truth to your kids and grandkids. Don't worship them. We need to hear the hard things sometimes. Even adult kids. And a dear friend of mine who's been a spiritual mentor for a long time says, you've never known how much your kids can hurt you until they're adults. Be ministers of the gospel to them. Love them enough to speak truth into their lives. In a loving way, not in an unloving way. And we can do this, and we can live this way because Jesus is the mediator of this better covenant. Father God, thank you. that there's going to be no more covenants. That the ultimate tabernacle is established. The ultimate priest is in place and serving. The ultimate worship is going on even as we speak. The ultimate things are already in place, Lord, and we struggle to realize that they're going on. Lord God, may we turn our eyes upon the heavenly things. May we teach our kids to turn our eyes upon the heavenly things. That they wouldn't live for this day and age, but rather for eternity. Lord God, we thank you for the encouragement from the book of Hebrews that the better is in place. How are we going to live in light of the better things? Help us in our struggles. Help us in our weaknesses. And thank you for being the God who rescues. In Jesus' name we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. (laughs) All right. Have a seat. We're going to do God stories here. Um, We messed up, didn't we? We got that out of order a little bit. That's all right. Um, I would love, in light of Tom's announcement regarding ESL, um, does any one of our ESL teachers have a God story to share 
Like what God's done in your life, what God's done in someone else's life through ESL. I'm putting you on the spot totally, but start off. There we go. Dwight, I'll start us off there. I'll always talk. <laughs> um, every day uh, when we do ESL, Tom does a devotional time where he reads from the Bible, both in English and Spanish, and then he has a little bit of a, a, a sermonette for a moment or two. And there was one day that Tom wasn't going to be there, and uh, he announced, he says, I'm not going to be there next week. And the first thing that my students did is they turned to me and they said, who's going to do the service? And I said, I don't know. They said, well, you'll do it, won't you, Dwight? And I went, not really that I can do that in Spanish. But ended up I did do it. Yeah, I don't know how I did, but anyway, so that was my God story. Praise God. Amen. All right, we'll open up to everybody else now. I just had to get one of those in. There we go. Davey doesn't shave. Here we go. <laughs> uh, I'm Dave who doesn't shave, as you heard. Um, I work with Young Life in the Valley. Um, last week, me and Jen and Glenn um, went to North Shore Church, and we were just telling them what we're doing with Young Life um, and invited them uh, into what we're doing. And uh, some people came up afterwards and um, asked how they could be helping us and uh, being a part of this. So um, that's a big God story. And um, another one that's, okay, I have a two for sure, um, is this week uh, we weren't, we, we try to have fifth quarters after the football games. And uh, this week I was not able to get to the school to really sell it to kids. And um, I just wasn't sure if we were going to have any kids. And we ended up having two kids and four leaders at the fifth quarter. But I think those two kids... Uh, were the right ones to be there. And we had really good conversations. Um, so that was excellent. Uh, and also, I'm going to use this um, platform to invite you all to a prayer night we're having uh, for Young Life specifically. Um, it means a lot for adults in the community to get around, uh, come into a circle, and uh, pray for the kids here. So um, if you are interested in that, talk to me or Glenn, and we'll uh, get you some details. So a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that we had some issues with our car, our Pontiac Grand Am. Well, just a couple days ago, um, I talked with my husband, and we decided that the best thing was to um, sell it. We, um, I posted it on Facebook. This is a, I know this is a total God thing. I posted it on Facebook Marketplace. Um, I was asking $650. Uh, Michael didn't think we were going to get more than $300. Um, within less than two hours, somebody messaged me and said, I am really interested. Can I view it within an hour? So someone who lives in Chelan, who needs a daily driver to Wenatchee, came out and looked at it, test drove it, and um, said, I am interested in it. Um, would you um, go a little lower? And we said, how much lower? And he said, would you take $50 off of the car? So we sold our Pontiac on Friday for $600. And that is a total God thing. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Um, so sometimes, um, I tend to go through like, like, okay, how much, 
you know, life is busy, right? So how can I utilize every minute of my time to like, if I have downtime, which is often like to be doing, you know, charting, you know, patient charts from home or whatever. And this week I had like maybe a 45 minute window between getting home from work and then having to head back out. And, um, and I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just chart. And because Scott and the girls were gone, well, and Elijah and his buddy came home, just a, uh, just a neat little, um, no, he's not little anymore, <laughs> he's 17, <laughs> um, one of his um, dear friends that's been coming around a lot more. And Elijah went to take a shower, and so he just like had a, sat at the kitchen table, I thought, okay, I'm not tardy. <laughs> hey, Tommy, you know, let's talk some more. And he just opened up about his family and his, how his, doesn't know his birth father and just, um, he's um, got deported back to Mexico. And just in that conversation, we got to talk about how family isn't always blood, how families, those around you and um, pouring into you and encouraging you and spending life with you. And he just, and then he's like, I don't normally open up like this, just to, to people I trust. And I was just like, I kind of got a little teary. So even though I was like, why did Elijah abandon you and go take a shower? Because I'm going to go chart. It was like, oh, <laughs> God had a God had a moment. So it was really sweet. So thank you.